Vivo and Google YouTube are each finding new ways to leverage fast services to build their businesses. We discuss newly announced partnerships that will boost engagement and revenue. Listen on to find out more. edition of Inside the Stream. That was Colin Dixon at the top and from Endscreen Media. And this is Will Richmond from Video News. And uh, we're happy to be here again today. Mid-December, year is counting down, right, Colin? And next week we have a special for our listeners. We do, and we hope people can join us. So we're going to do Inside the Stream live next week uh, on Wednesday, and we would love you to join us. Will and I will include a sign up for this webinar. We'll include that with our posting of this. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the top stories of, of this year. And we're going to ask you to vote on which ones you think is the top story of the year. So uh, please join us uh, next week on the 15th. Yeah, looking forward to that. And so Colin, today we are going to talk about free ad supported TV channels, which you and I were actually both writing about this week for different reasons. So we want to talk a little bit more about where they fit into the landscape and a couple of specific deals that were announced this week. Uh, but before we get to that, a couple of news items that hit our radar. I am going to go first, then you're going to go, then we'll get into fast. Um, on my radar this week was a deal announced between Frontier Communications, which is a smaller uh, telco that has both video services and broadband signed a partnership with YouTube TV where uh, their broadband subscribers are able to get access to um, YouTube TV and uh, as part of a bundle with their other frontier services. And it was, I thought, another reminder of how smaller operators are especially starting to move away from offering traditional pay TV and instead looking to partner for that. So we've certainly seen other deals like this with other smaller operators. I think reflects a lot of different things, but primarily that broadband is a, is a highly profitable service for these companies. Offering a TV service is not and that they're increasingly willing to farm that out to companies like YouTube TV as part of partnerships. So um, not the first, not the last. No, uh, absolutely not. And, you know, for me, this, this just makes a lot of sense for Frontier, Will. The, as you say, the, uh, the smaller operators that have been doing pay television have really had a tough time uh, making any money at all, and many of them are making a loss um, even two or three years ago when I was talking with smaller operators, they were all looking for ways to get out of doing the service because, of course, the licensing costs for the channels have grown so much that it's taken away any profit whatsoever. So this allows Frontier to sort of walk away from that, but still allows them to provide a nice video bundle, uh, which that's the great thing about video. It is very sticky and it helps keep people in the fold. So if the billing for YouTube TV still goes through them, then it's on their broadband. It's still a very effective way of keeping people from churning. Very much. And what was on your radar this week, Tom? <laughs> well, I almost hesitate. I almost hesitate to 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 bring this news item to our listeners, but because I 
think we talked about this on the podcast and we both anticipated that Roku and YouTube would bury the hatchet and would get uh, would figure out how to work together and they have indeed done that there are pretty much no details of the deal whatsoever but I, the bottom line is that those people using Roku will now be able to get continue to get YouTube and those that couldn't get it before couldn't get YouTube TV before will now be able to download it from the store and watch YouTube TV. So that's probably a very good deal for both companies. Uh, a pretty difficult by selling a Roku stick this uh, this holiday season if uh, if you don't have YouTube and YouTube TV. So that's that's probably a good deal for Roku, absolutely. I, and I, I would say I think a good deal from both sides. I, I think they're... I'm guessing that they both very much recognize the benefit that they bring to the other and yeah, yeah. that it was in their interest to continue collaborating. Um, we're in a growth market here for sure. That's no news to anybody. And there's plenty to go around and it would be foolish to get bogged down in something like this. That's more reflective, I think, of what we've seen in the pay TV world with the blackouts and the inability to strike new carriage agreements and that it, I think those issues are totally understandable because there's huge pressure from consumers to not want to pay more for those traditional pay TV services. So the ability to pass along cost increases is, is hard to do. And so you get into those contentious, scratchy negotiations. But in this case where YouTube and TV and YouTube are growing and Roku is growing and CTV advertising is growing. It certainly feels like there's plenty for everybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of course, we cannot forget that Roku OS is the top TV OS in the US today. Um, they're, they're about on par with Amazon Fire TV on the sticks and boxes. But of course, Roku is very, very successful with the smart TVs as well. So that makes them the number one. So important yeah. deal for important deal for YouTube and YouTube TV I think but um, yeah. anyway why don't we why don't we jump into our discussion of fasts yeah also known as fast uh, <laughs> <laughs> you say tomato us, well, I say tomato <laughs> well <laughs> for those of us who speak American quote unquote um, so this is the category of free ad supported TV fast or fast, however you want to pronounce it. And, um, we're focused here on it this week because Vivo announced 11 new fast channels that live within the Roku channel, the free area of Roku. Uh, and you were also writing about how it seems Google with its OS, its TV OS is, also waking up to the opportunity and they also had a deal that they announced uh, this week with Pluto. And so it felt to us like a reminder, these deals, a reminder of how fast is taking its place in the overall streaming and CTV realm. And you know, I would just say, Colin, I think, you know, we live in an industry filled with acronyms and words that sometimes describe the exact same thing, but people use different words and that causes confusion. And so to even understand like what is a fast to begin with, I've always thought of a fast as really little more in 
analog analogous terms to what a playlist is. It's a curated collection of programming within with it with some type of a target uh, focus and target audience in mind. And videos play back to back to back with advertising interspersed. So it's a little bit like a linear TV experience in the fact that it's curated and it plays ongoing, unlike an on de- purely on-demand experience where somebody chooses to watch a particular TV show or a particular movie or a particular music video and then has to make another choice when they want to watch another quote-unquote unit of that programming. Um, here, the units of programming continue to unspool without there having to be any ongoing choices. You still make the choice to watch it on demand, uh, but you are tuning in at whatever point the schedule of the fast is on. So it's it's a little bit of a hybrid. Um, I, I, I like it, and I like this, what Vivo just announced, the Vivo with the 11 channels by genre, things like Vivo Pop and... Vivo hip hop, Vivo country, Vivo Latino, Vivo seventies, eighties, etc. Uh, you know, I think are essentially curated playlists by the Vivo team to ta- that tap into their deep library of music videos, and um, I-, I think that's a winning proposition because there's still, I think, many opportunities where people just want to have a kind of lean back experience, or maybe even in Vivo's case, more of an ambient experience where they are maybe hosting people for dinner or a small party. They want to have music in the background. The videos allow people to peek over at the TV and see the videos themselves, something that might strike a, you know, ring a chord with them from the seventies or eighties, that type of thing. Uh, so I like it. And it's all of course, um, ad supported free to the user and the ads can be targeted. So it becomes a high value experience for the uh, for Vivo and for Roku and for advertisers and for the consumer. So I, I like that formulation of FAST. I think of it as deep libraries plus expert curation equals targeted audiences for high value advertising. And it seems Vivo understands that formulation very well. And I expect we'll see more fast channels from them and we'll see more fast channels from other services as well where they again understand this formulation have the deep libraries and the expert curation capability yeah yeah i you know i had a um, i had a really interesting interesting conversation with natalie gabathula scully who's svp of revenue operations at vivo uh on a panel a couple of months ago will and she was talking about these channels that they're launching. And the interesting thing is that they're sort of back to the future in another way. Um, she particularly singled out two two channels, Vivo Rewind and Vivo Moods, which she called contextual ad, ad products. And it's sort of back to the way you do, um, you, you buy ads back in the days of traditional TV. Uh, and and really, it's it's an opportunity to for advertisers to reach people in a channel that is really themed around a particular mood, rather than trying to target to the individual. And it's it, it speaks exactly to the usage that you were talking about right there, where you may have a group of people sitting around uh, and and playing a channel, and their targeting doesn't help you out much, right? Because you've got a group of people listening or watching. 
and and ha- but having a mood channel really does, and that that's that's one of the reasons why I think they've done that. So I think she really sort of confirms exactly what you were saying there that this is just a great great new way of using the library and engaging with users in an in a, a new way. So. Uh, and also being able to sell that to advertisers, so it's a it's a win win all round, I think. Right, and meanwhile, you were following and writing about what Google is doing, and um, believe that they're also, as we talked about before, kind of warming up to the opportunity in fast services as well. So maybe you want to talk a little about that. Yeah, I do. So the interesting thing here is that I think Google has been really, really slow to react to the free ad-supported streaming TV market. Um, but they seem to have finally gotten religion. They've realized that this is a real market and it's it's really growing. And um, I uh, was uh, talking about uh, talking about really growing. I was talking with Will German, who is uh, at Pluto TV yesterday on another panel, and that com- that that service is expected to reach a hundred uh, one billion excuse me one billion dollars in ad revenue this year worldwide. Uh, so which service is that come? That's Sorry, Pluto. That's Pluto TV. Oh Pluto, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's that's a great illustration of just how quickly this market is growing. Um, I did some research earlier, and I found that um, I, I reckon that. The entire fast market in the U.S. will do about two billion this year, and it should—I reckon it'll double by 2023. So it really is growing very aggressive, aggressively. And as I say, Google has been pretty slow to jump into the market, but there's been some announcements just in the last week or so that really show that they've finally gotten religion. They've realised that it's a really important part of the ecosystem, and that they are playing in it now pretty strongly. So the first the first thing they announced was that Google TV and Android TV uh, will let users add Pluto TV channels to the live guide. So um, I, I don't know if you've got if you've got Google TV or Android Android TV, the latest rev has a live tab. And if you don't, uh, if, if, if you know, if you go there, there's not a lot there until you subscribe to uh, virtual MVPD service. And up until now, it had only been Sling TV. If you had Sling TV, that that would get integrated very, very well into the guide. Well, now that's changed. Now uh, you can integrate uh, your Pluto TV into that guide as well. And I think that's a really important step for them because, as I say in that live TV chat tab, unless that Google TV was running on a smart TV with a TV tuner, there really wasn't anything in the live tab. That was free, unless you you know un- unless you'd signed up for one of these um, uh, virtual MVPDs. And now all you have to do is load the Pluto TV app and point it um, and uh, identify it as a live TV provider. And all of the, I think they, I think Will was saying that they've got about three hundred channels now. All the three hundred channels of Pluto TV will show up in that live guide, making it pretty closely integrated into the experience. And you'll also start to see recommendations for that content in the For You tab. So I think that's one very important move. The second thing is that there are now rumors that YouTube is building a fast service. And this, I think we may have actually talked talked about this on the podcast. Well, it's it's mystified me why 
YouTube hasn't introduced full virtual linear channels. You know, they have the, they'll play continuously on a, on a particular theme if you play one video, but they don't really have theme channels. And it just makes so much sense for them, for them to do this because let's be honest, YouTube content has actually been helping power fast anyway. If you, so for example, some of the most popular channels on YouTube, they already have fast channels. So I'm thinking about things like Moonbug's little baby bum channel on YouTube, which has 37.5 million subscribers. And they also have a channel, a very popular free virtual linear channel on Pluto TV with the same name. Um, and others have, others have been doing this, like Chicken Soup for the Souls, Duke in Media. Um, they have Fail Army and the Pet Collective also, also very, very popular channels on YouTube, but also available on fast services like Pluto TV and, um, and Watch Free and, and Samsung Channel uh, t- t- TV Plus. So that's another thing that they're doing, which I think is really strong. And the final thing is uh, YouTube TV is looking to fast channels to help cut their costs. And this sort of loops back to the Frontier news piece that you were talking about at the beginning, Will. And how does this work? Well, um, they one of the problems that uh, fast have is there's very little margin on this business. So anytime they get a price increase, they have to pass that on to the users. And they've been in a lot of contentious, YouTube TV in particular has had a lot of fights with, say, for example, NBCU earlier this year over carriage freeze. And they've actually dropped channels like Tennis Channel and NESN to to contain costs. Um, And now, according to the information, they are looking at uh, looking to YouTube to help fill out its channel line lineup uh, without boosting license fees. So, uh, you know, um, YouTube TV executives are taking uh, talking with popular channel providers like Brat TV, Vox Media, and Pocket Watch uh, to bring linear their virtual linear channels into YouTube TV. And this deal would be a very different deal than they tr- traditionally make with programmers. Right? Programmers expect license fees. Well, I don't think these guys are going to expect license fees and they're going to split ad revenue So with YouTube TV. So it's a it's a double good deal. They got more content to offer to consumers um, and it doesn't cost them anything to add it. And in fact, it may even help make a little bit of money. So those three moves really show that I think Google is getting serious now about fasts. Um, we just have to wait and see if they actually actually end up really launching their own in YouTube. Yeah, it seems like they've had sort of one foot in, but they have not fully put the other foot in or been willing or wanting to make an announcement about their specific play here. And and by the way, when you you just several times in your uh, in your piece there use the term virtual linear channels, and that is equivalent to a fast channel. Correct? We're not throwing another new <laughs> confusion at our listeners here, right? Yeah, yeah, I should I should probably I should probably stop using that. It's kind of hard though because well, I think it's a very very good description of yeah. of what the channels are, but um yeah, you're right. But when I say virtual linear, I really mean a channel in a in a fast service, a service a service that's delivering predominantly virtual uh, linear channels. Right. And when you think about YouTube, 
the YouTube experience is one where they use their algorithm to continuously recommend the next video to you. So in a sense, they're creating that playlist for you on the fly and going all the way back to what I first said about how I think about fasts and what Vivo is doing. These are essentially the equivalent of playlists in the audio world and they're curated from libraries. And that's kind of what the YouTube experience already is. But to your point, for whatever reason, they have not sort of fully formalized that concept of what they do or what they could do, I should say, what creators could do as a so-called fast channel. And it seems like there's a lot of opportunity there because once again, what are the core fundamentals or attributes for creating a fast service, a deep library of content and curation expertise. And if you throw in there having a great recommendation engine or algorithm, then you've already chipped away at what the curation process needs to be. So I would say that YouTube is in a really strong position to capitalize on this and uh, wonder a little bit whether we're going to see some more formal announcements from them as we go into 2022. I mean, they can't, they can't be not, well, your point about Google signing a deal with Pluto, they, they can't be oblivious to what's happening here with this viewership model that is so-called fast viewership model. Uh, and you got to believe they want a piece of it. Yeah, I, I certainly do. And this sort of goes all the way back when you remember, um, Back in the day, well, not that not that long ago, Netflix was proclaiming the death of linear television quite loudly and saying, you know, we're all going to watch on demand going forward. And I think what we're discovering with fasts and, and, and the linear channels in them is that that's actually not true. The Certainly the value of a linear experience is changing. Um, and on-demand viewing is very, very important. And I think it's very important in prime time. But I think there's still a, a very strong place for programming, for somebody who sits down and intelligently programs a channel. I think it's very important in music. And I think, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I still do listen to radio and I do really pay attention to... Uh, playlists and I use those as well where where, where somebody has put together an intelligently uh, an intelligent set of content to listen to and that's exactly what Vivo is doing here right they're curating this channel they're creating something with a mood and a real focus and I think that that approach in some circumstances works extremely well for video too and what FASTs are proving is that that model is a very durable model and can drive extensive viewing time. You know, this idea that you can just put on a channel and let it play. Uh, if, if it's well programmed, it will hold people's attention and they'll, they'll stay on that channel for long periods of time, which is great for the service, great for the advertisers and great for the viewer. So, you know, th this idea that programming was just going to go away and we'd program our lives, our, our entertainment lives. I think it's just being really proved false by the success of fasts. <laughs> well, I think what FOSS <laughs> show is that um, 
they sort of bring together the best of both worlds. You know, the linear experience that you're describing, the curated experience that have always been valued um, and still are valued by a lot of people with the on-demand nature that you don't have to tune in at a particular time that you can tune in at any time and still have that type of a linear lean back experience curated high value. And to me, that's one of the real joys of this whole streaming and CTV environment is that it provides so much different optionality, so many different ways of creating user experiences and recognizing that user preferences are not monolithic and they're even within a user's preference it's not monolithic. What works for you at one time of day or one period of you know time, uh, one circumstance is different from another time. And so that all of that, I think, you know, makes me very bullish on the opportunity here for fast and why we're going to see more and more of them going forward. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a really important point. And that's actually something that came up on the panel yesterday where like OTTX, um, well, I was down in LA, uh, doing this panel. And one of the interesting things about, about the flexibility of the fast services is that it allows content providers to monetize in new ways, ways that they simply couldn't before. Um, you know, in the bandwidth constrained world of traditional TV, you really couldn't. It really couldn't right. launch channels around, say, a, a single show. But now you can. In, in so so in that way, you've got sort of the best of the both worlds of the on-demand world, but you've also got you're, you're using virtual linear so that somebody can completely immerse themselves in deal no deal if that's what they want to do, and that that's that just you, that flexibility to leverage content in new ways in these services is allowing uh, content providers to monetize in completely new ways and monetize content that was really not doing very much in their in their library so you know uh, it's a it's a great a great market and i'm expecting to see it to continue to expand pretty rapidly next year yeah we'll no doubt talk about this a little bit on next week's Inside the Stream Live, which, of course, will be available on Zoom free to all of our listeners. We encourage everybody to join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about big stories from 2021, big stories going into 2022, uh, what's on our radar. We're going to try to make it as interactive as possible, get Q&A in there, um, do some polls, find out what's on folks' minds, and uh, just have some fun with it as a kind of wrap up for the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're if you're listening to this in your in your friendly podcast manager, scroll down to the description. There'll be a link in that description, or just come to Will and I's site and look for this posting, or the banner on our site, and uh, click on it and sign up. We'll we'll see you on December the fifteenth at two thirty Eastern, eleven thirty Pacific. And it's free, we should add. Free is free. It free is, is good. It is indeed free. <laughs> Just like a FOSS channel, it's free. Um, anyway, that's it for this week, Colin. Uh, good chatting. And thanks, everyone, for listening in on this week's edition of Inside the Stream. And we'll see you all again next week live. Inside the Stream is a production of Endscreen Media and Video News, all rights reserved.